I'm sad now. <laughs> uh, I know. Yeah. All right. Uh, what a... And, you know, maybe we should wrap this up before we all get depressed. Yeah, I'll give this special. Thanks. Okay. Here we are. Once again, waiting for stir fry. I'm here with Jones and Edwin, and today we are going to be talking about the very depressing Manchester by the Sea. Um, so, from Wikipedia, uh, Manchester by the Sea is a 2016 American drama film uh, that was written and directed by Kenneth Lonergan. And to elaborate just a little bit, the plot follows the main character, Lee, played by Casey Affleck, as he finds out that his brother has died of heart failure, and uh, he has to help deal with the aftermath, including what happens to his brother's son, Patrick. Um, but some would argue he's dealing with the before math, mostly, but... Uh, well, you know. yeah, I'm, you know. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the film was nominated for several Academy Awards. It won, Casey Affleck won for Best Actor, and it also won Best Original Screenplay. And uh, right now it's available on Prime Video, so that's where we watched it. That's where you can currently watch yeah. it. All right, so what... Uh, what are your guys' initial opinions? Edwin? I greatly enjoyed this film. Um, well, as much as you can really enjoy a film so so poignantly depressing and sad. Um, I had, it was the third time watching it, I think. So I, I, you know, I had watched it again. And it's still quite, it hits like a truck still. It, um, it made me tear up and very much cry by, by the middle and, and near the end. Um, so yeah, I, it's a testament to the acting in there. Yeah, excellent film. Mm -hmm. Jonas, yeah, yeah, I had a similar story. I've seen this a few times. I think one time before with you guys, and uh, still, still slaps, still hits. You know, it's kind of like this. Uh, what I wrote down here is a one-two punch of emotional devastation, where like the first time I watched it, uh, you know, you get you're just in awe of the fucking tragedy that you're seeing here. This man just demolished by this crazy event. But then the second part, it's a little more, you know, I felt a lot more because you could, knowing what happens and how this man changes and you kind of just start to see all the little bits that point to it, this shell of a man and how he got there and all that and the effects mm -hmm. of it, um, sort of the before and after. And that's... And like Edwin said, the actors carry the weight phenomenally. So, yeah, yeah, I can echo that too. I think, I th yeah, the only other time I had seen it was when we watched it together, you know, years ago. And as I was watching it the second time, like I hadn't remembered everything that happened, but once I did, like before it happened, I remembered what was going to happen, and I was like, oh no, like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, it's it's the second time I've seen the movie, and I liked it a lot the first time. I still like it now. It's definitely. Uh, it's a no-nonsense movie to go out a lot of sadness um but you know there's also some some humor some beautiful scenery too so yeah definitely it's a, it's a great film um agreed so before we jump into the the meat of the discussion here just a quick warning there's going to be spoilers if that wasn't already obvious we're going to talk about everything that happens in the movie <laughs> um Somebody dies. At least one person dies. So <laughs> well, I up. already said, yeah, at least one person dies. <laughs> Several. <laughs> Jesus. All right. So I think a, a good place to start talking about it is the cinematography used in the film. 
it uses they use a lot of simple framing and a lot of really beautiful scenery. It takes place in the Northeast around Boston and also up by Manchester by the sea, obviously. And another another big thing the movie uses is these flashbacks and the way they edit the movie and use these flashbacks to portray you know the tragedy that's happening is kind of a a really strong device and it's heavily used throughout the movie. I mean, I know you guys have some things to say about this. Yeah, I think yeah, it's go, go ahead. Yeah, for me, the way that you know, it's a movie that is trying to tell the story of its main character while he's dealing with something in the present, and how those two interact together. I mean, they're the two separate stories of of tragic events happening to the same person, just contextualized across time, and the 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 way that they properly craft the flashbacks to make sure that they work properly to enhance how those two stories are intertwined is absolutely incredible mm-hmm. i think um i think one of the first ones that really caught my eye is how they're talking about dr bethany right so um lee gets to the hospital after he learns that his brother has passed and he's trying to you know he talks to the doctors and he's asking for bethany bethany was the doctor that was treating lee as lee's brother joe uh when he first you know had his first um heart issue and then, of course, you know, they tell her she's in maternity leave, can't do anything about that. So they needs to deal with a new doctor. After they're done talking about Joe and where he is, Lee gets on an elevator and it immediately cuts to Dr. Bethany, right? So it, it cuts perfectly to her name tag. I think it cuts to her name tag. I don't remember. Um, and, it, and it shows them uh, when Joe was in the hospital at the first time. So to me, this just uses a very subtle cues to tell the viewer when they're in a flashback Uh, yeah i think it's it sets up it prepares the viewer for to pick up exactly what's going on it's not confusing that hang on why is why is joe alive again you know there's no like jarring moment of like Mm -hmm. reconciling what's going on with what you know so which you know i think is harder than it sounds though i've never tried doing it um yeah that's true I, i hadn't thought about that while I was watching it, but you know, for the amount of flashbacks this movie has, it was never really confusing. Um, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of times like, it can be. Yeah, yeah. I think the editing like is 10, 12 excellent flashbacks. in this movie, and it really helps convey the story it's trying to get at. Um, you know, they do it again later when they have the flashback when they're in the uh, lawyer's office, and uh, you know, Lee learns that he has to take care of Patty, and mm-hmm. that gives to him the flashback to what happened in his, you know, in his past that makes him so averse to taking care of Patty. And so, you know, the fact that that flashback comes in and it's so painful um, that it really it really frames that, you know, refusal to take over Patty that um, that works perfectly, I think. It's just just excellent. Yeah, that, that one was, I think, particularly powerful because it was just clear that all of these things were running through his head while he was sitting there, like at the lawyer's desk. Uh, I don't know. It just. Uh... Yeah, that w- that is one thing that to tie back to the cinematography about the scenery uh, mm-hmm. is you you. It's often a prompt for Lee to think, right? He's either driving around or he's looking out a window, and you get these again the beautiful shots uh, of New England. But it's 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 houses, it's places where he's been, and 
sort of as you go through the movie and he sees more of these things the memories creep in and you know take hold we get to see a lot of that so that you know that's another use other than being pretty that the scenery images tend to emphasize you know serve as a prompt for that and they emphasize the place like this movie is partially about the place this is what holds the memories for lee and you know that's the title I don't know. so it's it's a good grounding tool yeah so that's where it's, that was it's my also, thought on that. it's also if you notice they actually use the passing of the seasons to convey the transitions going on in their story the opening of the movie of course is when they're going boating uh they're wearing shorts then you know patty's little and then the movie cuts to lee's current you know living condition which is in the middle of winter you see him cleaning the snow and then through the mm-hmm. movie we learn that they cannot bury joe because the, the the ground is too cold so they can't really break into it later on when patty and him go to the um patty has a scene where he goes to the um graveyard and he starts stabbing the gr- the ground and then he notices that he can actually do it and then it cuts later to um them burying joe as you know winter it ends right i just thought it was mm-hmm. a very beautiful way to right. convey the the feelings of the characters with with what we see in the movie the plot device mm-hmm. as well as you know sort of a thawing of the relationship between uh lee and well everyone else but particularly in patrick and yeah. you were mentioning that the you mentioned the uh, the Lee Winter like his first when we get to know Lee and those I really enjoyed that introduction. Um, you saw you you see what this man is like. You see how antisocial he is, how subdued he is internally. His mouth barely moves through the whole time, and he's just rejecting anyone tell, trying to connect with him at the bar or anything. But I think. Um, there's just a lot of things that I found enjoyable about that introduction. Like the dumpster, there's like this fun bit of imagery. Where the dumpster's filling up because Lee is a janitor. And then, you know, it mm-hmm. gets to the point where it's just overflowing. And then he fucking snaps at the lady asking him to fix his shower, or to fix her shower. And, you know, sort of a parallel of, ah, we know immediately what's going on with this guy in the short term and the long term. And then the bar fight scene, uh, the music there made it really enjoyable. It just sort of well synchronized. You see a lot. You you get to see, you get to know everything about Lee really quickly, at least about his current state, and it's quite effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to go back to what you said, Jonas, about going back to the scenery, and how, you know, those shots of New England is kind of like when Lee gets a chance to think. Because I I feel like it's also giving the viewers a chance to like a break for a second to kind of think about things. Yeah. Um, and also like, it's like a zoomed out just perspective. And it kind of gave me the feeling like, oh, we're looking at like the whole town right now. And, you know, there's probably so many other things going on. It kind of makes Lee seem very small. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's just, uh, it, it seemed peaceful, you know, also, in, in contrast to yeah. all the crazy things <laughs> going on in Lee's life. Yeah. It is, it is also grounding, you know, you see parts of the town right. you you feel as part of the town almost because you're so familiar with a few bits of it and seeing these sort of very personal places. But anyway. Yeah. And I, I want to move into talking about the setting a little more too. Cause I mean, we already touched on it, but like you said, the title of the movie is Manchester by the sea. The location plays a big role, not only in the scenery, but like in the, in the plot as well. 
and in the, you know, the characterization. Yeah. I mean, you know, the plot point. So like Lee's, Lee's character, he's, he, he's a tough guy, you know, he gets into bar fights. He is a very, right. he doesn't show his emotions. That's a very stereotypical kind of new England man. I was, I was going to say, yeah, I, I, I did. The, the interesting part of that is that it almost, it subverts that pretty well, where it's like, yes, he is this macho construction janitor guy. And, you know, he's got this, this attitude of not dealing with people and being aggressive. But you see that inside is, you know, he is the everyman. He is the stereotype, but the everyman in the stereotype has this deep emotional conflict. Yeah. I, yeah. I think for me, for me, the more clear stereotypes were, um, Lee's friends in his flashbacks and, you know, he's just bringing people yeah. over and yeah. having loud parties. I think, I don't know if it really does much for me as far as the just setting up the story, how these characters are. I think what they really use them for is not so much the stereotype, but just showing how close people are in the community. Um, mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's what really drives it home for me when it comes to um, the setting. I think the setting could have been anywhere. It just has to be conveyed that it is a setting where people are really close. Uh, yeah, at least for I mean, me. that was that was another main point that I was going to mention. You know, obviously, the fact that it's such a small town and that everybody... Like everyone in the high school knows Lee. Everyone, everywhere sees him. They don't want to give him jobs because they know of about his past and you know the things that have happened. And that's ultimately one of the main reasons why he can't stay there. Um, and just the fact that that's such a big part of his struggle. Um, it needed to be a small town like that in order to make that work. Um, but yeah, going back to the the emotions thing too. Something I was going to bring up is it's clear that. You know, he does. Yeah, obviously, you know, there's that deep, deeper emotional struggle, and that does come out. You know, like when he when he finally gets to see his brother's body um, when he's at the hospital, and you know, that's that's one of the times that we, I think he he started crying a little bit when he saw it. But other than that, like around everyone else, he's got a perfectly straight face. He's very matter of fact. You know. Yeah. Whatever the arrangements are, etc. Yeah, that is. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's a facade, but yeah, I, you know, it's. He feels like he needs to have that that appearance. I think. Yeah, and then the other thing that's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was I was I was thinking about um, this sort of that scene you mentioned when he was like crying over the body. He wasn't actually crying. He was just kind of beholding it and sort of like he hugs it, you know, affectionate. And it reminded me of or rather the whole movie is sort of pervaded by these this sort of uh, well Lee not being able to not knowing exactly what to do uh he's often like with people oh, i don't know what to he's like specifically when patrick freaks out oh, i don't know what to do what do you want me to do he doesn't know how to oh, i guess take care of people or in that scenario or mm-hmm. or with this moment um when he's doesn't quite know how to express his grief right and i think this was one of the the this is a point that was well portrayed by the the acting and whatnot because in the in the first in that scene where the doctors are talking and he's like, oh, he's dead. And then he's just stone faced and immediately goes into, uh, well, we got to make the arrangements. He sort of has this idea of he knows what should be done, but he doesn't really internalize it thoroughly. And I, I did enjoy that a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Just as, you know, it tells you how stunted this guy is because of everything that's happened. And you do see a progression mm-hmm. over the movie. So, yeah. That's something. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. 
and the the thing about the the seasons is interesting too because the I mean another somewhat significant plot point was the fact that they couldn't bury his brother right away because it was too cold and the ground was frozen. You know, so I mean, you know, related to the location, but that right, 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 yeah. caused some <laughs> caused some issues as well. Yeah, for me, you know, nervous breakdown, putting meat into the freezer, etc. I think they they really put that sense of familiarity in this town to work in this screenplay. I think if you notice, um, a lot of implications are made about what happened to Lee before they actually tell us what happened to Lee, right? Up to the point where, like, the lawyer says, "I understand you better than anybody else," or something. Um, I think he says, uh, "No one can appreciate what you've been through, Lee." Right, 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 right. So up to mm-hmm. that point, though, like because the town is so knit together, they speed run us through a lot of their views on Lee as a character. Then mm-hmm. we, at that point, as an audience member, don't really know why they feel this way or why there is something to note here, right? As for all we know, all that's happened is that Lee's lost his brother and now he needs to take care of Patty. Mm-hmm. It's when it's finally revealed that it hits like a truck because it, it, it recontextualizes Lee as a character and and his struggles, right? So it's he's he stops being a quiet man, right? He becomes a man who is dealing with a lot at the same time. And that's probably shaping how he interacts with people and how he reacts now to them. So mm-hmm. I think that that using that framework of township familiarity to to be able to drive that narrative is it's it's very well done um, yeah so do we want to describe exactly what it was that was revealed just in, for right. anyone who hasn't seen sure. it uh, <laughs> sure uh, uh, um, who, who wants to do it who wants uh, i mean i can do it i can do it that's fine um go for it uh yeah go ahead. by ask by asking who wants to do it i'm volunteering i suppose uh so Lee is at the lawyer's office. He looks at the window, all sad-like, with those sad, sad eyes. And he flashes back to a time he's partying at home with a bunch of his friends. Uh, in stark contrast to his immense solitude, he's got like 20 guys over playing mm-hmm. ping pong in his basement. They're all getting wasted. Um, mm-hmm. the, Randy, his wife, comes down to him to leave. You know, they leave after some animosity, you know, friendly animosity. Uh and then Lee <laughs> goes out to go get more beer. Um, and when he comes, just to hang out by himself, I guess, because that's what Northeastern men do. And then he comes back <laughs> to find that his house is engulfed in flames. There's a crowd outside. Um, and he sees his wife sort of being torn away from the sort of burning. And she's shouting, my babies are in there. My children are in there. Um, and if you look, the house is, uh, it's a subtle detail, but the house is completely engulfed in flames. There's no way they're going to get them out. And so there, <laughs> it's really just, I, and the they background, did. we got this organ, this swelling organ, lol, this like music. And it's, you know, like, it, which is a contrast from like everything else has been sort of choral and strings. You get this, you know, few, this funeral sound. And, you know, this is like peak, like, uh, here, here, take this tragedy and deal with it. So you got that going on. Yeah, it's very intense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a heavy scene. That's the big, that's the first punch. Yeah. Um, yeah, when they take the bodies out. Exactly. And then in the morning, yeah. Joe is there with Lee, kind of helping him out. 
And then they're talking to the fire department and they start bringing out the bodies. They've got this slow-mo reaction of Lee just like, Jesus. I don't think he's like, you know, breaking down crying, but he like just bends over like, Bleh. Um, there's also this short bit where his wife rejects him. Like she's being loaded onto an ambulance and he goes to like be, you know, just be with her and she just will not have it. And then she goes away. Later you cut to the police department where they're piecing together everything that's happened. Or rather Lee is telling the story of what happened to two inspectors, uh, two policemen. I don't know what the word is. And it's revealed Mm -hmm. that. You know, he put a log in the fireplace. Maybe he didn't close the screen is the doubt he had on the way. And what must have happened is the, the log rolled out. Everything caught fire. And eventually the furnace blew and the whole thing uh, went down. Now, I mentioned, Edwin, you mentioned the bodies mm-hmm. dragged out, right? When they're talking on site. And like, it is the bodies, we haven't mentioned this yet, of his three children. Yeah. Whom he, it's been shown that he's, you know, just this very affectionate, really loving father. He has tattoos of his baby's hands on his shoulders. You get like this introduction of him just, you know, picking them up and kissing them and whatever. So, in short, everything this man's life is about is stripped away in one night from his mistake. Mm -hmm. And he has to live with that. Yeah, he tries not to. I mean, right oh, after he right. completes it. Right after, right after <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the thing. There's just forgotten. so he many. There's so himself. many shoes yeah. dropping right. that it's like, geez. Yeah. He's in yeah, the right police station. Tweets. Yeah. He walks out after the investigation after being told, no, I, there's, it's not a crime to forget. And then he, a cop is walking by. He grabs the gun and he tries to shoot himself immediately. The gun is not loaded. He gets a chance to try and reload it, but then they tackle him. And again, swelling music, uh-huh. cut to the turbulent Manchester by the sea, ocean, and it is. And then you cut back to the lawyer's office. You get a little bit more banter, and then they walk out. Yeah. And uh, what's it? Patrick says, "What are we going down to the orphanage now?" And it's like Jesus, <laughs> really heavy scene, mm-hmm. you know. And maybe this is a good point to talk right. about how the humor plays into it but then completely subverted by that and you're just left like whoo that was a lot and it is a lot you know yeah and i feel like after that revelation too it's like as soon as we see lee you know explaining himself to those police officers it's like okay well now i understand why he seems like such a downer all the time right, right? right. like exactly the, you under- the, the night before he was all he was happy and playful and now we see the lee that we had been introduced to at the beginning of exactly. the movie like and you see it in the acting uh like that's like immediately yeah. after just his face is becomes the right. stone he is the simon and garfunkel proverbial rock where it's just there's nothing here <laughs> um one more quick note it's like and yeah, we meet. It, it sort of answers the question that's been being set up, where the townspeople are like, "Who is you know the Lee Chandler?" So you know, is there rather, um, that's Lee Chandler. Oh my God, you won't believe Lee Chandler was in here. So I mean, there's definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. a good uh-huh. payoff there in terms of oh, this is why everyone's fucking nuts about this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. It also starts by sort of contextualizing. The relationship between Lee and Joe, which, you know, we yes. don't really get much of. 
Yes. Um, but, it, it, you know, later on, there's a scene where Lee finally chooses to move to Boston because he can't bear living in the town anymore. And the implication there is that, you know, Joe is extremely worried about him. And especially after he attempted to commit suicide. They, I, I don't know if there is an implication that he went to some institution in between. I, is this just him? I don't think that was implied. I doubt it. Yeah. A New oh. England man would never do such a thing. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe. And then, and then you know, Joe's like, you know what? Make sure you call me as soon as you get there. And yeah. then when when Joe visits, he's like, what is this? You need to get furniture. Get, Let's go get furniture. Uh-huh. Um, he's got like a folding and so table, think, and it's like, no, this is I'm good. This yeah. is fine. Yeah. yeah. I think that those interactions are what I think justifies to me why somebody in so much pain would take on taking care of Patty. You know, it's clear that Lee likes Patty, but it's clear that he's also in an incredible amount of pain being back in this town. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. I think it's that relationship that all that his brother has done for him that really keeps him um, fighting to, to, to make this work and not just run away. Yeah, I don't... Mm-hmm. I, I think that might be undercutting just the relationship that is between Patrick and and Lee because, I don't know, as, as we know, Lee, before everything, was a really affectionate guy. In the opening scene, we see him and you see him and Patrick just having a grand old time. And it, it's funny, uh, you get this, uh, what they're talking about in that opening scene is you're, he's asking Patrick who he thinks is like the best guy to like handle all of his problems. If like the war, society collapsed and they were on a desert island, who would he, would he bring Lee or his father? And he, Patrick, of course, is his father. But it's funny, or it shows that Lee is, you know, really invested in Patrick. And it shows, it sort of parallels mm-hmm. the comparison there that, that what happens later is that uh, we have Joe being an excellent caretaker, not just of Patrick, who grows up to be someone that is can deal with loss really well. He's got a lot of friends, a lot of support structure. And also Joe helping um, Lee with his time he's there like in the police station he's there helping him move you know he's supporting him he's like the you can tell he is the guy referencing to that first conversation and then in contrast you have lee trying to fill that role of caretaker and you know doing it somewhat but clearly not as well uh, yeah mm-hmm. i wouldn't it's say a that bit of light foreshadowing I, I wouldn't say that no. the first <laughs> scene the first scene of the movie where he's really caring for patty reflects too well on what the relationship is later on because when lee chooses to leave after you know his you know that same scene where joe's telling him to call him as soon as he gets there mm-hmm. he hardly even says goodbye to him he just yeah. you know just can't bear it yeah. and i assume that and that's when he's pretty young still so i assume the relationship has been pretty strained so but it definitely estranged uh yeah. from that time but i do think well i you know we didn't see that much I, right. it, it definitely served as a, as a counterpoint to the closeness shown in the boat flashbacks uh, when he rejects him at the car door. Like, right. uh, uh, bye, I'll see you, if he says that even. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't know if they're, if I'd say they're really estranged. I mean, we're talking about Lee and Patrick, right? Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, wasn't it implied that Lee, like, would travel up there? I mean, maybe not often, but. You know, to see his brother, and his brother was having complications. Oh, that that and is true. I'm sure Patrick, Patrick probably got to see a fair bit of him. Maybe not much at first. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I, I think um, yeah, maybe it's, and I think it's just strange. It's a little strong. Sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, I mean, Patrick yeah. No, is just... certainly preoccupied with other things. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Teenager. I think I was I was just going to say it's also worth mentioning that Patrick was also there, you know, when when Lee's brother Joe went to help him like get furniture and everything when he moved to Boston and you know, Patrick was kind of around that, for That's true. for Lee's struggle in that regard as well. Right. Um, so not quite as distant as, you know, goodbye never again, but uh there was certainly a shift before and after. And mm-hmm. Yeah, well, maybe now's a good time to talk about the relationship between Lee and Patrick and kind of how it evolves like, all the way by the end of the movie. Right. So. That is act two. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. Uh, I think it's fun. I think it was fun to see Lee try to play the role of father. Like, first, like, hey, can we get yeah. some pizzas? It's like, yeah, sure, of course. And then, like, hey, do you mind if my girlfriend stays here and then like uh why are you asking me you know still sort of not quite embracing and then later on uh being more active uh, sort of the biggest progression i see is the freezer scene when patrick is like freaking out and lee is like i don't know what i'm supposed to do here do you want me to call an ambulance do you want to go to the hospital i don't know what to do and then immediately after i think you know when patrick is up locked up in his room and Lee's like, let me in. He eventually just kicks in the door and sits with him. You know, sort of taking the more active caretaker role as opposed to, what do you want me to do? I, you know, just being the passive, I'll do what you want kind of deal. Which is, mm-hmm. which is, you know, what a caretaker does. That's what Joe did. He was very, let me buy you furniture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, you know, he sat there and he was like, I'm going to sit here until you're okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think it makes it goes along with what you're saying, like similar to how Joe was like, okay, we're getting you furniture. Yeah. Like it's not a question. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, I don't think we said it explicitly, but to be clear, after Joe died, he left. Um, you know, he want he made it clear that he wanted Lee to be Patrick's guardian. But Lee didn't and know that this was that, <laughs> and Lee had no idea this was going to happen, and that was that whole scene in the lawyer's office, which we were talking about. Um, and so, you know, obviously he's struggling with this and the conflict becomes whether he's going to be able to stay in Manchester, which he doesn't want to do. He wants to go back to Boston, but Patrick obviously wants to stay there because that's where his life is. And so it's it's a continual struggle right, right. Um, throughout the rest of the movie. And I think it's it's pretty funny watching them interact. Like you said at the beginning, like I think they both do a bad job and really, <laughs> there's a lot of disconnects. You know, Patrick is kind of this, a typical teenager He's got multiple girlfriends. He's in a band. He he thinks Lee is being an asshole by by wanting to move back to Boston, and he's you know ripping him away from his life. But he also doesn't really understand what Lee is going through just by being in that town. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think there was a scene that I took note of at one point. He was I don't remember exactly the context, but but Patrick was in Lee's bedroom, and he saw the pictures of Lee's kids. Like kind of uh, sitting on his dresser or whatever, and he kind of looked at them and like he took pause for a second, and I'm like, okay, maybe he's actually kind of starting to realize why Lee is having such a yeah, difficult time being. Yeah, I was here. thinking why you know it was a really short scene, and I was thinking why is this here? I wasn't really sure. Like, I mean, he had to know, but I guess that moment is the moment when he really internalizes. Oh, this is why this guy is having. This is why Lee's having such a hard time, and. You know, later why he mm-hmm. comes to accept moving to Boston. The next time Lee brings it up, he's like, all right, what neighborhood have you picked for us? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what's good uh, is this, um, 
I really enjoy that the jokes start landing, start flowing, and then start landing between the two of them. It's sort of a good indi- a good yeah. pulse on their relationship. Because first, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of disconnects. Patrick asks, what do you think of this music? It kind of all sounds the same to me, just like nothing, you know. And that same vein, you have uh, Patrick's girlfriend is over. And he's like, uh, am I supposed to tell you to use a condom? No, I've, I've had that talk. Uh, but uh, let me know if we're being too loud. As a joke, but then there's like three <laughs> seconds of silence of like no one reacting. And it's in, in contrast, you know, it's sort of, like I said, as they're leaving the lawyer's office, what are we going to the orphanage? Lee responds, shut up, you know, which is more engagement than before. And yeah, I, I, uh, the, the jokes start coming more readily, which is, you know, a good parallel uh, to that relationship. Are you fundamentally Are unsound? you fundamentally unsound? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the I can't think of too many examples here, but the dialogue is good. That banter <laughs> is good. Um, yeah. Although that one line is a little, is a, is a bit strange, but so it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny it certainly certainly i don't know if it was i think it was more for the audience than for <laughs> yeah i think that one was yeah it probably wasn't funny to leave yeah, yeah. um let's see um but uh yeah i think on the other side i mean so it's clear that patrick initially at least initially doesn't understand what lee's going through but also like lee doesn't realize what effect he's having on Patrick, right? And so the other, there was another scene when, after Patrick goes and has lunch with his with his mother, who has had her own struggles, and so you know he right he's been in contact her with her by email only, and so he schedules this lunch to go and see her now that his dad is dead. And after that, Lee picks him up in the car, and I forget exactly what Patrick says, something like, "Oh, you're trying really hard to get rid of me, aren't you?" And Lee's like, "Wait, no, that's not what I'm trying to do at hmm. all." So right. that for me was like kind of the reverse where Lee is kind of realizing that like Patrick is kind of taking this harder than he might have thought. And maybe he's not, you know, expressing himself the right way to him. Right. Huh. Yeah. And another point about that is I think that's Lee at that point is um, at first he's like, no, you're not meeting your mother under no circumstances. Can you go with your mother? Because her past is one of, you know, drugs and not great things. Um Mm-hmm. But you get to the point where it's at that he's like, yeah, I'll take you there. Let me know if anything gets weird. I'll walk in with you. Just kind of accepting it, letting him do his thing, which is, you know, a slightly different aspect of the caretaker role, but still uh, one that is effective in showing ah, Lee is improving in terms of knowing what to do here. And just sort of allowing that uh, that relationship to, you know, take hold because uh, you know i think the whole bit of lee is he's not allowing himself relationship close relationships with people even like strangers at a bar he won't talk to um mm-hmm. yeah something like that Ooh, yeah. yeah yeah and i mean by the end we can see that you know the relationship has evolved to the point where you know they actually get along right they're bouncing a tennis ball along the street right right Lee has like set up a made sure he had a spot for Patrick to sleep in case he ever wants to come visit him right down in Boston you know even though he eventually you know he he decided he wouldn't be able to stay in Manchester but you know he wants to it's clear he wants to continue this relationship with Patrick right which is a big a big step indeed indeed 
Indeed. Um, Edwin, anything to yeah, add? You've been quiet for a little no, bit. No, I think Patty's been... <laughs> he's an interesting character. I think he... What the movie's trying to convey with him is that he's trying to deal with his father's loss, both not fully internalizing it and at the same time maybe not facing it until it really hits him right in the face. That whole him not liking that his father is in a freezer somewhere keeps it's a thread that goes through the movie and it you know it finally breaks him when he's getting something out of the freezer and a bunch of chicken just falls on him sausage and you know <laughs> yes yeah. and he just freaks out because at that point he, he he just can't handle it anymore and of course you know the whole interaction with lee at that point so it's interesting because we don't get to see a lot of his grief only when it really just he can't bottle it up bottle it bottle it up anymore um which is very different to lee who just doesn't seem to be able to his whole life is shape his grief it. is you know in a right way. right yeah. i mean he's been completely consumed by it to the point that just adding a new tragedy in his life just it's something that he just has to you know deal with and not so much internalize feel. yeah yeah that's yeah, good um, so I do yeah, have I, I do have it's... mixed feelings about Patrick real quick before we finish that train of thought because yeah. he it does he does it is shown that he has a good support structure a lot of friends like he kind of is dealing with it in a way that seems healthy but I think you're right in saying he is to a certain extent pushing away a few things like when he he walks into the morgue walks right out um, when he's talking with his friends like they do talk about his dad. But, you know, he's happy to jump onto the Star Trek topic, for example. So, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's like a, it's a, well, a balance a, there. He's probably... Which I think to is me, healthy. He, yeah, to me, he read like a teenager who's known his father's going to die for a long time. Hmm. And he uh-huh. thinks that he's ready to deal with it, but he doesn't. And that sort of starts chugging at him. That sort of distance between what he thinks he should be able to handle and what he internally feels. Um so, but yeah, I think he's in a better, much better place than than Lee is in general. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that does yeah. give Lee a lot of grief, uh, you know. Yeah, I was just going to say that the they definitely have very different kind of methods of mourning. Um, you know, Patrick kind of tries to, you know, he's hanging out with his girlfriends, going to band practice, you know, trying to ignore it, whatever, but. And like you said, Lee is just kind of—it's like another another thing on top of the pile. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, he's he's just, he's just ignoring the pile, but you know, he's being pressed against the wall by the pile, and he is completely immobile. But uh, right. he's just like, this is fine. <laughs> this is great. Right. Yes. Yeah, so very. This is fine. Um, yeah. To touch on one of the bullet points we have here, that uh, by verbal passing is this whole bit about patterns of mourning and like uh yeah what actual mourning is like i like that is just theme theme of the movie real mourning is imperfect real mourning is not this dramatic funeral scene where everyone has black umbrellas in the rain the real mourning is having that freezer freak out um yeah and i think that the movie in addition to those dramatic scenes uh, like uh, you know, in addition to the, the Patrick one, you have Lee crying on, you know, George's wife's lap later, just randomly. It's the first time he cries for real. Um, 
Right. Yeah. Well, I forgot about yeah, that. And so you have those drama, dramatic moments where it's like grief is imperfect, mourning. It can be, it can come when you least expect it. But there's also like the undercutting of just, you know, sort of the sanctity of death in a way of like, for example, uh, in the hospital, it's like, well, what's the procedure? Yeah, you just got to get Joe's belongings. Where's Joe's belongings? Where's Joe's belongings? For like a few beats, like, why right. are we sitting here? Someone just died. I got shit to do. Yeah. Um, you know, there's constantly, yeah. or a couple of times, uh, not constantly, Jesus. Um, there's, he's on the phone and it cuts out because I guess his phone is shit. And he's trying to get information <laughs> from the principal. Like, I got to go tell Patrick his dad died. Just hurry the, you know, tell me where, wait, uh, what? They don't practice that what and things like this and the principal's going on about like the reason they're practicing yeah. <laughs> at a different location and lee's like i don't care uh yeah i mean there's loads of these i i will hit a couple more uh brandy in during the flashback and the fire brandy's getting into the ambulance they stretch out that moment where she rejects lee by having the stretcher fail to get onto the ambulance like six different times, yeah. <laughs> just struggling with that. So like even these super dramatic moments are, there's there's reality yeah. in this. There is imperfection. Yeah. Baby crying at the funeral. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Actually, I know loads of things to say, but I think that's plenty to make that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's definitely one of the things I like most about this movie is just those little little injections of the realism um throughout it, it makes it i guess you know a lot more relatable and believable credible as a narrative yeah, for sure yeah yeah i mean it's a movie that's exploring loss and and grief and i would not expect it to do it any other way because otherwise it would feel artificial it would be drawing on our sort of you know preconception of what a tragedy is and not really exploring what how that preconception even gets to be what we what we believe should look like. Um, so right. by challenging it and then you know, you know, bringing it to be realistic, it um, it, it, it I think it enhances it. It's special, I yeah. I think that is what makes yeah, it, it special as a movie. It's what makes this movie truly unique. Mm-hmm. Um, it really leans even into if it's the... something very hard to 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 experience as a watcher. Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing, you know, it's hard to experience yeah. as a watcher, imagine living it, and people do. I right. think that's sort of right. the implied logic there, and it's, whew, whew. <laughs> right, and you know, at the same time, with all the, the negativity in the movie, it, it also finds those times to, you know, insert those little pieces of humor that make us yeah. laugh, which is also part of the realism, right, because, you know, obviously these people are sad, there's a lot of terrible things going on, but every now and then there's like a little, you know, they can still find a second to make a joke yeah you know <laughs> um, and i'll say this one more time we're going down to the orphanage but uh yeah <laughs> it's it's solid it's so- rock solid yeah to, to lean more into the, <sighs> the, the the realism discussion i'll quickly scan yeah. my notes because there's other ways like i said i think it's the special part of the movie it's the anchor and there's other ways it leans into mm-hmm. it, right? Obviously, the, the the dialogue is well written. All the interactions are really intentioned. Like, it, it's 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 credible in that regard. Also, I feel like the camera is put often in places 
the camera is an observer, almost like it's a person just in the group of people. Like when you have people talking, it's very simple framing. Like here are people talking. Sometimes, often you get like silhouettes of the backs of heads of people. So really like, you know, and during the fire, there's a crowd and the camera is sort of placed in the crowd. Um, so it sort of grounds everything. You don't have like this big dramatic close up of Lee sobbing. Uh, it's more withdrawn, a little more distant. You know, you have, like, the fireman in front of you, facing Lee, and then Lee and Joe sort of, like, holding each other, which is, and you get to see the the beats in the face. So the, the point being, it leans in, you get the detail, but it's not dramatized in, in mm-hmm. at least in this whole field of view kind of way, and I found that interesting. A second thing, uh, actually, I'll let you guys, if you have any comments on that before I jump into another comment on that. <laughs> yeah. Another element I noticed when it comes to realism and how it treats tragedy is how this movie very subtly deals with how tragedy evolves as time passes. You know, I mean, yes, it has the flashbacks, but more importantly, it takes time to show how that tragedy, that grief becomes a memory and how, you know, for example, they talk about Lee and Joe's father during, during the movie, and there's actually a dedicated movie uh, scene where uh, Lee's helping somebody out, and then you know they're talking about their gra- their fathers and how they died. Mm. And so the father who goes from being a character right in the flashback goes then he passes off screen, and then later on just becomes a memory. And then that's further enhanced by you know what the old you're right the old person who's talking <laughs> the old person who the old person who he's talking to is talking in turn about his own father, an even further removed memory from both of them. And then it's also the same with the with the with the mother the their mother who actually died before the father, and she's not even mentioned in the movie. The only time we see her is when they go to the graveyard and we see her tombstone, mm-hmm. and we realize that her name is actually the name of the boat. Oh, and I didn't. I didn't see that. That's awesome. Yes, yes, That's fantastic. Yeah, I didn't catch that either. Uh, so it, it it deals with that how how you know a tragedy occurs, but it sort of it dilutes, becomes into a memory. It gets incorporated into who you are, and it just gets passed down, and, and eventually it just becomes a story, and or a name and on even, a stone. Even, yeah. <laughs> yes. Damn. Um, so that's good. It's very subtle. I did not notice that at all when I first watched the film. That's really good. Yeah. But yeah. And so I think that's another part. And it, you know, in essence, this movie it's 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 doing that because right now it's you know at the start of a tragedy for Patrick. It's in the middle of great tragedy for Lee, but it just shows how those things evolve. Um, and uh, and so that really moved me. It really moved me. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Take a second to breathe. Jonas, what was the other? Yeah. What was the other thing you were going to mention? Uh, sure. Uh, oh, it feels a little non sequitur now. It almost feels inappropriate. But uh, <laughs> I wish I had said it before because um, it, it was more along the lines of camera work and and, and cinematography. Because uh, I don't know. I okay. I, I, I uh, just real quick bit is I don't I don't know how intentional this was, but I found that this this sort of back of head motif. Like, which is like really non-standard in a movie, right? That's you don't frame a shot with the backs of people's heads there, and it shows up a lot. Like in the hospital, you got the doctors, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, in the hospital again, Lee is facing away from from 
everyone else who th- that the camera is looking at. And I think that it helps sometimes, I don't know if this was intentional, but it helps to underscore sometimes the distance between people and in their interactions. Because, uh, right, like with mm-hmm. Lee, oh, yeah, in the car, the car scenes with Lee and Patrick, uh, you, in, at first, like when Lee almost takes Patrick's leg off when speeding away in the in the hospital, the camera is from behind. And when they're going, and then fast forward to the end of the movie, they're going to Patrick's mom's house. The camera is sort of... Uh, Face, you know, switching between them side to side, it's sort of like from the passenger seat and then from the driver's seat or slightly behind. Uh, it's sort of the parallel of the, the better connection. And, and I think the one point mm-hmm. where this actually becomes a useful observation is when Lee goes to smash the window, if you remember that scene. he First you have view of, you know, beautiful New England out the window. Then Lee steps into that He's got the silhouette going, you know, like I said, and then he smashes the window, right? So it's, you can read that as mm. an overt, Lee cannot connect to this place, and he is, right. and this is the source of his frustration. That's like the simple kind of of it. So yeah, mm-hmm. that was the last <laughs> thought I had on <laughs> on the on the framing and cinematography, which should have been said before. Um <laughs> To jump, uh, to jump to another thought, um, I, this is more of an open discussion because I had some questions about it, and I, I, you know, I didn't like follow this thread all the way through. But I wanted to hear your thoughts on the chance interaction with Randy that Lee has, and it's sort of the turning point for him, where after that he goes get to get in the bar scene, and he ends up leaving Manchester. It's because up to that point, things have been going swell with him and Patrick, and he it was looking like he was going to stay. But then after this scene, that's not the case. And it is a critical scene, as evinced by the fact that it's like the movie poster. Um, but I'm not really sure. I wasn't 100% on what changes in Lee exactly. If it's sort of like a straw that breaks the camel's back from a few other things in terms of him realizing, I can't stay here. or But you have the interaction of, hey, can we have lunch? And he's just, no, no, absolutely not. And then she apologizes to him for shitty things uh, she said about him. Like, uh, the things mm-hmm. I said and I should go to hell for. Um, and he's just shaking his head the whole time. It's okay. That's his fucking line for the whole movie. That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, she, this is fine. Yeah. She starts pressed against the wall. This is fine. She starts crying. Um could we have lunch? No. Um, there's one more beat here. Oh, she says to him, I still love you. I'm broken. I know you're broken too. I still love you. And then he goes, there's nothing there. I can't. Meanwhile, there's nothing there. She's also married and has a, a kid. Right, right. It's not like a, I don't think it's strictly a romantic, like, let's get, you know, let's, let's right. go back to the good old yeah, days. Just, you that, know, that, is, that, that is a good point to make, yeah. Because it's, it's not that kind of thing that's going on. Um, well, it's... For me, it's just calling back to that sort of thought of how, you know, tragedy and loss change as time passes. It's clear that for Brandy, she's moved on, that she can love again. She's moved on to the point that she can have a new child Mm -hmm. and love it without it breaking her. But it's clear that she still has a great sadness in her. That's what makes her cry there and regret for how she handled it. While at the same time, it's, it's for me. It showed that Lee is not at that point, that he still 
pretty much completely immersed in his guilt. Yeah. Um, and he's just not looking at it. That's what he's chosen to do. Mm-hmm. Instead of taking this time that he's been in Boston to to find a new path for him, for his heart, he's chosen to just not look at it and let the days pass and just pass without anything happening in them so that he does not have to face his pain. Mm-hmm. And this scene makes him realize that that's what's happening. There's nothing there. I think he means that between them two, between Randy and her. It's it's just what connected them was burned with that fire. Mm. And and he just can't bear to look back at that memory because for him, Brandy is not there. Brandy is Brandy. what was lost. Sorry. <laughs> and, um, and so he just wants to, he can't stay in this place. Mm. And I think it's not that he was doing okay with, with Patrick, is that he's doing better with Patrick, but not, not better himself. And he just has to face it and realize that he needs more distance and more time so that it eventually yeah. does become, hmm. you know, a story that he can tell if ever, you know. I think the movie's trying to say that maybe some things are so painful that they will feel just as if they were yesterday, many years after. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of have the same questions as you, Jonas. I don't know, like, what makes this scene so important to be on the cover of the movie. I don't. I didn't feel like it was really a climax or a turning point for Lee, because I don't. I guess throughout, like to me, it didn't seem like oh he was. It seemed like he was about to stay in Manchester, and then after that conversation, he changed his mind. I guess it kind of more seemed to me like he didn't think he could stay in Manchester. But I, I don't know. Maybe I guess that conversation kind of confirmed it. You mm. know, seeing Randy there with her kid, and he just wasn't able to like process that or you know think about the fact that he's going to continue running into her right um yeah i I, but it is definitely interesting i do think it is i do think it is a turning point i i don't think it's as severe as we're saying like uh that he would be he was like yeah i'm gonna stay here and then he has that chance meeting and then he says nope but it certainly was heading in a direction Uh where it seemed more uh plausible that he would uh just on the basis yeah i never i never I never read it as him having decided that he was staying. I think he's just opening up to to what Patrick wants, right? Um, but, right, but he, he gets you know. a job, right? When he's fixing that, or is that way after? I no, thought. He, I, no, he doesn't. He I think doesn't that's get in a the job. He gets he a job in Boston. No, he got a job because he was fixing that guy's uh, plumbing when they were talking about the dads, uh, the dads and the, the dead dads. <laughs> Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, he was fixing that. his plunk. So, like, there was motion in that direction. Like, he had started looking for jobs, and it seemed as if it could have happened. But this right. this but in that, interaction in that removed all doubt of that. Because he gets into the bar scene immediately after mm-hmm. the bar fight. Well, to mm-hmm. me, what I actually read when he was looking for jobs is that how all of their old friends reject him. Because I guess they're just, you know, blaming him for what happened, right? And Not all of them, but yes, some and, of them. Well, yes, yes, of course, some of them. And, and to me, it was just trying to, for me, I read that as just highlighting how how Lee must be feeling that, you know, all that memory is still there, right? It just brings it back to his face. I think it can be multi-purpose. And to me, it just sounded like it was probably affected him. Um, I, I know, think that's right. See. I just think that hmm. it also serves a point that... He is trying to stay, just almost a, a plot point, but is reflecting on his changing mm. character, or at least state. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't... 
I what is hmm. Hmm. <laughs> like I get it. Like I, I yeah. see the pieces move. I see the before. I see the after. I just, you know, I want to know. We followed this guy's mentality for so long. I want to know, like, what is what is that one thing? And I guess maybe there isn't just one thing. It's just the real. Well, I think isn't the movie ultimately trying to say there that you do not know the tragedy he's gone through. That like this particular type of tragedy that he's gone through of meeting the person that you loved. After you, by your, you know, mistake, killed your loved once. It's just, it's, it's, I think to me, it's something that I just cannot understand. I can only try to sympathize with, but I cannot empathize with directly. That could be, and, that could be a And I think that's supposed to be, you know, you know, we're supposed to just feel something close to what, what Lee's feeling, but never exactly what he's feeling. I'm satisfied with that. And that's I think that's <laughs> the gap that we're supposed to be yeah. left with there. Yeah. I I think that's that gels with 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 the themes. I think that I like that. Cuz it's it's true All we right, have Well, if Jonas is satisfied. Yeah. Cuz we have been following <laughs> we, we have been following the whole, you know, his whole bit the whole time. Like we we know pretty we know pretty well with the flashbacks and the whatever. We 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 have a pretty good handle on it. So that this left is left a little bit in mystery. I think maybe intentional, maybe not. But with that explanation, I am satisfied. I think I've, that's a good reading. I like that. I mean, as you mentioned, the framing of the movie is as observers. And we are given the context of Wiley's in pain, but never can we really feel what that pain is, right? Yeah. We can only put our closest approximation of it. That's true. Oh, I'm sad now. <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. Uh, what a... And, you know, maybe we should wrap this up before we all get depressed. Yeah. Well, the thing is... Ah, oh, jeez. Okay. 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 Let me... Let me the pain. Let me do a it quick, is good. The grief. It is good. Uh, <laughs> let me do a quick scan of my notes. See if there's anything else I have to say. But I think we covered the main points. I, at least that I had. Mm-hmm. Oh, good deal. <sighs> yeah, the last thing... The last thing I noticed, like, as the movie was ending, the final scene is... Once again, Lee and Patrick sitting on on the boat. Yeah, you know, and Lee agrees to help Patrick fix it, and they're kind of just sitting there, staring off into the water. And it's you know the same place where we started the movie, but so we know so much more now than yeah. we did at the yeah. beginning of the movie. It's just kind of a a big point of reflection. Yeah, and it just fully drives in what that boat is supposed to mean, right? It's it is now just a vessel for their memories. And what they're trying to do is to protect it, right? Mm. Um, which is ironic because now we know that, you know, the boat also represents their mother, which is in turn another memory. So, <laughs> so many memories. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's. Oof. All right. Anything else? Should we go into our concluding thoughts here? I'll go first. Okay, <laughs> I should get I should get in the habit of just when I, instead of asking that, just jump right in, just jump right in. Um, so yeah, I think long story short, I masochistically enjoy this movie. I I really like what it says about mourning, about loss, and like the imperfection in both of these processes or states or however you phrase it. Um, I do like what it says about failure. Right, Lee is Lee has failed. And just accepting it and all of that. And it's all, to me, it, the whole thing is strangely comforting, despite the fact that it's awful. So, but yeah, 
like I said before, strongest point and what allows all of these messages to get across to me is the realism that it leans into in, in dialogue, cinematography, all these little bit, the humor, these little bits that come together to this lens of realism. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it shine. And your rating? Oh, uh, shh. Yet. Uh, it's a uh, cold bowl of USDA Prime clam chowder. <laughs> nice. Um, I guess I'll go next. I think it's 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 truly a masterpiece of storytelling. Um, I think that message that it's chosen to convey about grief is very much unique. And as Jonas mentioned, it is the realism that drives it home. You know, when most movies deal with tragedy. They are drawing on our pre-existing knowledge and feelings of tragedy and morphing it into something that can move us quickly, that we can interact with, and then be done with. Uh, you know, that's why, you know, why we can cry while we watch Titanic and we see Jack die, right? It's two hour where they, you know, draw in on our, what they know will make you feel something and, and that's what drives us into that movie. This movie does the legwork of setting up exactly mm. what what is tragedy and make it as realistic as possible and i think it does it wonderfully painfully but wonderfully <laughs> and uh, i think it's why it probably will be remembered and of course complete props to the acting the amount of incredible performances here that 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 are needed to convey such feelings is exactly. incredible yeah um so yeah i will give it uh five frozen sausages out of five <laughs> are there did you packs of sausages come in five of them no yes did you eat like three of them do they <laughs> do they? i have seen a pack of five sausages i can't confirm nice. all right um, yeah i <laughs> i don't have much different from what you guys said i agree with jonas that i think the realism of the movie is what really makes it great um as i said before you know it makes it a lot more relatable and incredible I would definitely recommend it to anyone who, you know, has a stomach for a sad movie every now and then. And <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's just great that it's it's realistic. There isn't a happy ending. It's not like at the end, Lee, everything's great. Lee decides to stay in Manchester. He gets past his problems. No, he still has the problems. He still has to deal with them. But, you know, maybe there's the silver lining that he and Patrick can have a closer relationship now. Um, hmm. And yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I will give it a whole frozen lobster. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so, all right. I did have one more comment oh, go ahead. before we finish up here. Did you guys know that Matt Damon was supposed to be Lee? I did, oh, no. yes. I actually. <laughs> How terrible would that have been? No, no, no. <laughs> Which I think it was actually supposed to be someone else even before Matt Damon, right? I I didn't catch that part. I just knew Matt Damon was kind of producing it. And then I don't know. Either way. Yeah, but he got um, like caught up in like some other movie or something. The Martian, I think. Oh, really? Back in the day. Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. Either way, I, it just would not have landed. I'm glad they pulled Casey Affleck, who really hasn't been in anything notable. So it really worked well for him. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Originally, it was thought that John Krasinski would star. Because so Matt Damon and John Krasinski brainstormed the film and took the idea to Lonergan. 
thinking Krasinski would star. This is right from Wikipedia I'm reading right now. And and then I guess it was announced that, uh, well, yeah, they switched over to Damon, but then both of those actors were busy. And then Matt Damon said he wouldn't give up the role to anybody but Casey Affleck. And he ended up getting the role. <laughs> he ended up getting the best actor. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, the award. It was, uh, so, yeah. It worked out. Fortuitous choice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think that's all we had. Yep. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Play us off. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, tune in next time when we talk about something else. <laughs> Solid. Later. Bye. <laughs> I will point out to the listeners that we do have a mailbag. Uh, if you want to send questions, comments, you know, have you got a cool reading that we didn't get to? Did you see some great details that we didn't? Do you have a suggestion mm. of something we should watch and cover? Send it at waitingforstirfry at gmail.com. We'll buy a domain name eventually, maybe. But until then, waitingforstirfry at gmail.com.